Section 41 of the Kerner Commission Report. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Report of the National Advisory Commission on Civil Disorders, Kerner Commission Report. Chapter 13, The Administration of Justice Under Emergency Conditions, Part 2. Guidelines for the Future. In a period of civil disorder, it is essential that our judicial system continue firmly to protect the individual constitutional rights upon which our society is based. Our criminal jurisprudence has developed important safeguards based on the arrest process as the mechanism which activates the full judicial machinery. Thus, arrest brings into play carefully developed procedures for the protection of individual rights some suggest that the judicial system must respond to the riot emergency by shortcutting those procedures such suggestions usually referred to as preventive arrest or preventive detention involve extending the police power to include detention without formal arrest broadening summary enforcement procedures and suspending bail hearings and pretrial procedures for sorting out charges and defendants. We reject such suggestions. Rather, we urge each community to undertake the difficult but essential task of reform and emergency planning necessary to give its judicial system the strength to meet emergency needs. We make the following recommendations. The community should prepare a comprehensive plan for emergency operation of the judicial system. A comprehensive plan for the emergency operation of the judicial system during a riot should involve many public and private agencies in the community. It must include a review of applicable statutes and ordinances, and their amendment and revision if necessary, to ensure that there are well-drawn, comprehensive laws sufficient to deter and punish the full range of riot behavior. Compilations and interpretations of the laws relied on to control such an emergency must be made available to police, prosecutors, and, through the press, to the community at large, well in advance. When a disorder arises, there must be no doubt what citizens are supposed to do or not do, Citizens are more likely to remain calm and resist the provocations of unfounded rumors if they are already familiar with the laws applicable to riot conditions. Regulatory guidelines should be drawn in advance detailing interaction of police and other law enforcement personnel, such as state police and National Guard, specifying who can make arrests and how they should be handled, the charges to enter for prohibited acts, and how certain minor violations may be handled without formal arrest and detention. Booking, screening, and bail setting will proceed more efficiently when there are established guidelines for processing large numbers of cases. Basic policy decisions for each step in the judicial process must be made. Which charges will become eligible for summons and release after arrest, with trial postponed until the emergency is over? Will any defendants be released during a riot, and on what conditions? Which charges require immediate court proceeding? 
which charges require an immediate follow-through investigation in order to support subsequent prosecution. Bail and sentencing policies applicable during emergencies should be defined by the judiciary with consistency and justice as the goal. Bail interviewers and probation officers should be instructed as to the kind of information required for release or sentencing decisions in a riot situation. Administrative techniques should be established by the court to ensure that eligible indigent defendants will be represented by counsel at the earliest stage. Arrangements for night and weekend court sessions should be made. Public and volunteer defenders can be more effectively utilized if there are prior allocations to each group of specific classes of cases and if there are agreed procedures for assigning counsel to each defendant and for determining how long such counsel will remain on the case. For instance, volunteer lawyers may be provided to represent riot participants who normally would not be eligible to obtain public defenders because of the minor nature of their violations. The entire organized bar of the city and even the state, and particularly Negro or other minority members of the bar, should be involved in the emergency planning. Adequate provision must be made for individual counseling of clients, in order that effective representation does not deteriorate as it did in many cities last summer. There must be training courses in advance to ensure that all participating lawyers are prepared for the task. Defense strategy on such basic issues as plea negotiation, bail review, and habeas corpus needs to be planned ahead of time. A control center where volunteer lawyers may get advice and investigative help during a riot is an essential component of planning. Sufficient facilities, as near as possible to the court, must be found to house in a humane fashion those detained during riots. Civic and service groups have vital roles to play in this aspect of riot planning. Temporary detention centers can generate terrible conditions if proper medical care, communication with the outside, food, and sanitary facilities are not provided. Juveniles require special handling, aimed usually toward an early return to their parents. Community organizations and volunteers willing to temporarily shelter or supervise juveniles and adults from the riot area must be enlisted, coordinated, and assigned according to plan. Press coverage and impartial observers to report to the community on all stages of processing should be provided. Information centers, accessible by a well-publicized phone number, must be set up to locate defendants promptly and to assure continual contact with their families. Emergency planning should also include agreements between different levels of courts and among courts in different jurisdictions to facilitate emergency transfers of judges, prosecutors, and probation officers. Where necessary, laws should be passed allowing the appointment of members of the bar as special judges during such an emergency. Auxiliary courtrooms need to be readied. A master list of all competent clerical personnel in the area to help process defendants' records quickly is needed. We think it probable that a highly visible plan, in which basic procedures for handling riots are established and publicized beforehand, and in which ghetto leaders and citizens are full participants, 
will have a reassuring effect during a disorder. People need to know where they stand, what they can and cannot do, and what will happen to them if they are arrested in a riot situation. Prevention is paramount, but experience has shown that refusal to plan is foolhardy and can only compound the human agonies of a civil outbreak. The organized bars of our cities and states have a special responsibility in planning for the administration of justice during a riot. Their responsibility does not stop with providing defense counsel for rioters. They must assist the overloaded prosecutors as well. Their participation cannot be confined to a small segment, the defense bar or legal aid lawyers. It must also include the large law firms, the corporate counselors, and those who are leaders in the local bar. Lawyers must take the lead in showing the community that orderly justice is a priority item in any plan for riot prevention and control. Recommended Policies in Processing Arrested Persons Arrest Alternatives to Arrest in any riot, the first priority is to enforce the law. This may require clearing the streets and preventing persons from entering or leaving the riot area. The authority of local police and other law enforcement officials should be spelled out in carefully drawn laws with a range of alternatives to arrest. Persons in the riot area should be permitted to move on or out to go back to their homes voluntarily before police resort to arresting them. Discriminating use of such options by the police would tend to reduce the number of innocent bystanders or minor curfew violators picked up, and thereby alleviate the congestion of the judicial machinery. There are other situations during a riot when alternatives to arrest and detention may prove useful. One such alternative is a summons or notice to appear, like a traffic ticket. It may be handed to a citizen on the spot and requires him to appear later for processing at the police station or in court. Situations do arise, such as curfew violations, or where the act of arrest itself threatens to set off a new chain of violence, when the police should be given the discretionary power to issue on-the-street notices to minor violators. The primary advantage of the summons is that it avoids the congestion of facilities and frees police personnel to remain on the street. Guidelines for police discretion to use the summons must be drawn up in advance and the police instructed in the proper use of such discretion. The summons will be most useful in emergencies if the police are already accustomed to using it as a routine law enforcement tool. Follow-up in serious arrests. Just as essential as avoiding unnecessary arrests is the formulation of special measures to ensure the effectiveness of arrests for serious violations. On-the-spot photos have been found useful in some jurisdictions. They fix the accused's identity and help to refresh the police officer's recollection after he has made scores of arrests for different offenses within a matter of hours. In the serious case, the arresting officer should fill out a reasonably detailed incident report as soon as feasible. At the station house, serious offenders might be turned over to a special follow-up detail, which can conduct early interrogation, check fingerprints and police records, or even revisit the scene for additional necessary evidence. 
thus serious cases will be separated at the outset for special processing designed to produce effective prosecution post-arrest processing processing facilities some experts have suggested that all persons arrested during a riot be taken to a central processing center preferably near the court where available resources can most efficiently be used and intelligence activities can be coordinated lawyers and relatives looking for arrested persons would then at least know where to start others point out that a single location would impose a hardship on residents of widely dispersed communities and that neighborhood processing centers should be used a two-step process may be preferable screening for immediate release at the local precinct or neighborhood center with later transportation to a single detention center for those who are not released or who cannot be taken immediately to court the proper choice of single or multiple processing centers will be determined by the community size location of available facilities in relation to the courts the dimensions of the disturbance and the number of arrested persons but the facilities themselves must be arranged in advance and equipped for emergency conversion alternate plans may be necessary since many factors cannot be predicted in advance if multiple detention or processing centers are used a central arrest and disposition record system is essential so that prisoners can be located by their families and their lawyers the phone number of the central information post should be well publicized and the telephone should be manned on a 24-hour basis in detroit there were nine separate detention centers in newark there were five no centralized arrest record system was maintained confusion and distress over lost persons were widespread screening for release the most important function of post-arrest screening is to separate promptly different classes of offenders so they can be treated on rationally different bases some summoned and released at the station house some released on their own recognizance for later prosecution some held until arraignment and further disposition by a judicial officer it is therefore critically important that prosecutors defense counsel and bail interviewers be present in sufficient numbers at the initial processing center serious violators accused of murder arson sniping aggravated assault robbery possession of explosives or incitement to riot must be separated at this early point necessary follow-up investigations begun and preparations made for prompt presentment in court most minor offenders swept up in dragnet arrests should be issued a summons and released curfew offenders or hotheads picked up for failure to disperse at the scene but now cooled down and cooperative might be released without further detention postponing a decision whether later to prosecute juveniles should be immediately separated for disposition by juvenile judges or by probation officers authorized under local law to release them to parents or to place them in separate juvenile facilities between the innocent person and the dangerous offender lies a mass of arrestees brought in on felony charges related to offenses against property breaking and entering burglary looting handling these cases requires broad and sensitive discretion 
some looters may be professional thieves systematically exploiting the riot chaos some looters are normally law-abiding citizens in detroit after the riot subsided many persons returned looted merchandise these people usually have no significant prior criminal records although prosecution may still be justified in most instances they may be safely released back into the community to pursue their livelihood and prepare their defense according to predetermined standards agreed upon by police courts and prosecutors they should be interviewed promptly for issuance of a summons and release at the station house where they have solid roots in the community and no serious criminal record they should be allowed to return to their homes and jobs the station house summons after arrest might also be reinforced by a law providing more severe penalties for those who commit new violations while awaiting their court appearances several cities have had favorable experience in using station house summonses in non-riot situations and in small-scale demonstrations this technique pioneered by the vera institute of justice in new york city in conjunction with the new york city police department permits the police to release defendants after booking and station house processing with a summons to appear in court at a later time the summons is issued on the basis of information about the defendant obtained from an interview and verified only in exceptional cases showing that he has substantial roots in the community and is likely to appear for trial station house summonses are now used in all new york city precincts and have measurably improved police efficiency an average of five man-hours saved in every case while ninety four per cent of the defendants summoned have appeared voluntarily in court new haven where the station house summons was routine under non-riot conditions employed the technique during the riot with notable success at least forty per cent of all arrestees were released in this manner including some charged with felony offenses successful employment of this technique requires a core of bail interviewers and procedures for checking quickly into an arrestee's past record it also means providing transportation to deliver defendants back to their homes or to shelters outside the riot area with adequate planning there will be a registry of churches civic organizations neighborhood groups and poverty centers to supervise persons released or to provide temporary shelter if necessary in using these procedures at the station house or screening center wide discretion must be left to police and prosecution to refuse to summons and release riot participants who appear to pose a substantial risk to the community persons re-arrested after release for any but the most trivial violations should be disqualified from further summons and release without judicial sanction the desirability of using defense lawyers in the station house screening process is suggested by the new haven experience these lawyers can contribute information about the defendants help to make release arrangements negotiate on the charges with the prosecutors and guard against any overcharging which would prevent early release and ensure that the defendants understand their legal rights and the reason for cooperation in summons interviews booking procedures 
the ordinary mechanics of booking and record-keeping must be simplified at the emergency screening center special techniques must be devised to record necessary information about arrestees the multiple-use form devised by the united states department of justice for large protest demonstrations may provide a prototype single copies of this form are sent to key points in the process through which the arrestees pass one copy is sent to the bureau of prisons where a central record of arrested persons is kept another is sent to the detention center where the arrestees are taken the first copy contains all information necessary to present a formal charge against a defendant in a hearing before a united states commissioner defendant's name basic facts of the alleged offense time and date of the offense name of the arresting officer at the processing station where the arrestee is first detained the arresting officer fills out the form and swears to its facts he is then free to return immediately to his duty station a notary public is present at the processing station to notarize the forms as required by law the arrestee's picture is taken at the time the form is filled out if this has not been done already on the scene the picture is attached to a copy of the arrest form thus the arrestee can later be identified even if he refuses to give his name a docket number is also assigned to the case which is used thereafter throughout each phase of the processing docket numbers are assigned consecutively the number of persons arrested can thus be readily ascertained the commission recommends that cities adopt this type of form end of section 41 Recording by Maria Casper.